Welcome to another Double Shot episode. So on Mondays, I do an interview where it's more about the guest. And on Fridays, I do an episode with my wife, and it's more about the couple's energy. This episode is just me and you. So I'm going to take you on a walk with me and share what's going on in my head, my life, and anything else that I think we should talk about. If you like this sort of free-flowing, unscripted format, you may like our new private on-the-fly episodes that my wife and I do on the Patreon platform. As a member, you'll get access to our new on-the-fly episodes and all our podcasts ad-free and access to our monthly Zoom. If you want to go check it out, head over to patreon.com forward slash Friday. That's F-R-I-D-A-T-E, no slash. Or you can click on the link in the show notes. All right, let's get into today's episode. Well, guess what? We have a name. It's called Double Shot. Why am I calling this Double Shot? Well, it was better than walk and talk. My wife came up with it, and it's a good idea that I um, do it. And the backstory is that before I take my walks, I have to have a double shot. Otherwise, I can't walk. I can't move unless I have my double shot. Um, and the, I guess the, the double entendre is that you get a double shot of me each week, Monday and Tuesday. You actually get a triple shot if you, encount, if you count the one with Kim. But... I'm going to take it for what it is. I like it. She made a cool image. I don't really care. People give a crazy amount of time and effort to titles. And I guess on the one hand, they are important, but I don't know. I just feel like you got to do or create really good content. and The title doesn't matter. Half the shows, I don't even know. Half the podcasts I listen to, I don't even know what the name of their show is. I just know who they are and I like them. Um, okay. So I did a little, uh, post on Instagram and I told people I was doing this and I asked them what they wanted me to talk about. And I had no idea that I was going to get that kind of response. Like this was something more for me to like direct this little mini sode that I do each week, you know, so I have like an idea of which way I want to go. Um, but I think it's going to be more of a Q and a, so I'm going to go through a few of those today uh, to let you know where I am this week. We are still in Spain. We'll be here another couple of days uh, and then heading back to uh, Florence for an event. And then we're going to go north to uh, Austria. Okay, so I'm just going to read these. The first question is, sorry for the wind, I'm at the beach. First question is, what is the most surprising characteristic you learned about yourself since moving to Italy? It's actually a really good question. I would say that I always thought that my ability to enjoy life, let's say on a scale of one to 10, you know, was pretty high. I don't ever, just as a side note, I don't ever allow the number seven to come out as an answer on a scale of one to 10, because seven is the safe one, right? Like it's not good. It's not bad. It's non-committal. If you say six, it's bad. And if you say eight, it's good. But if you say seven, it's like, well, I don't know which one he means. So it's a good little tip. But I would say like 
My ability to enjoy my life is a two compared to Italians, Italians being a 10. Like they just live. The irony is I don't think they think they live at the level that they live. I don't know why. Like if you ask them, they're always kind of complaining. But if you watch them, they're happy people. Like they're really real. It's, I almost feel like they have a secret. They know that they have a secret and they don't want anybody else to know. So they talk about how awful it is. It's really interesting to me. But yeah, I mean, like they, look, we came back to the hotel yesterday. It was, I think, nine o'clock. They were still at the beach, like, you know, in droves. And they, they travel like in packs. So there's like 10 of, a, 10 of them at a time. And they're just, you know, talking. Oh my God, they talk. They talk from the moment they open their eyes to the moment they go to bed. Like I have had more conversations about gelato and the olive oil and food than I've ever had in my life. And now it's become a part, like I wake up in the morning and say, where are we going for dinner? Like it's crazy. So to answer your question, what is the most surprising characteristic that I learned about myself? It's that I'm not, I'm not, I, I, I haven't been culturally trained growing up in the U.S. to enjoy life. Like there's a name for it here, right? La Dolce Vita. You probably heard that before. Uh, I'm not culturally wired to just let it go and enjoy it. Like for me to think about staying on the beach, you know, until nine o'clock at night and then going home and then going out to dinner at 11 o'clock, like I, I would feel so guilty about not working that it's hard for me. So I, I would say that the fact that it's hard for me to do that is what's surprising. All right. The next one was, um, how do we pick our travel destination with kids? It's a good question. Um, well, first of all, we pick the locations. I, I use a, I use an app in my phone, uh, called things. It's just a nice little organizational app. It uses the, the GTD system, which is stands for getting things done. Uh, it's a great book, good system. Basically, it means that everything is a project and every project has a next action. Like you can't do 10 things at once, but you can do the next action related to accomplishing the project. Um, so this company called Things made this app. Um, and what I'll do is as I travel or as we travel or as we read things or hear things, I'll go into the app and I'll create a project that's called Places I Want to Go. Fancy, right? And, you know, somebody will say, like, I'll, I'll give you like a real life example. Like a lot of the people that we know who have children at the school where my daughter goes, they take off, you know, when the summer happens. And, you know, where are you going? I'm going to Taramina. Taramina, where's that? That's in Sicily. Oh, is that good? Uh, yeah, Charlie went there last year. Okay, let me, let me write that down. So I'll start writing names of things down. And then once you get those names written down, then you start to like, you know, it's like on your radar, right? So like, like when you buy a car, you see it everywhere. So then I will, you know, go on Instagram and I'll start searching Taramina and I'll look and I'll go, this kind of looks cool. And then I'll start asking people. So I'll get this like initial list going and we'll just talk about it. And, you know, like everything else in life, once you start talking about these things, they just start to 
appear. You know, Google's always listening. Your iPhone's always listening. So you open, you open it up and boom, there it is. And so we'll start putting them together and then, you know, having conversations about them. Now, related to the children piece, that one's a bit trickier. That one's more of like a vibe kind of thing. So we'll think about it. Like the place we're in, in Spain called uh, Formentera is sort of known as a family beach area that's chill and relaxing that's next to Ibiza. So if you know Ibiza, Ibiza is like this crazy party island. And it's, you know, potentially not a great idea to bring your kids there because, you know, like they can only handle so much, you know, fist bumping in uh, beach clubs, you know, with loud DJ music. That's not really the place for them. It's not, not that it's wrong. It's just that they don't have fun there. You know, they'll have fun a little for a little while, but they can't do it all day. Um, so this, you know, this little kind of like beach town was right. So, so we'll think about vibe. The second thing we'll think about is kids clubs. You know, does the hotel that we're staying in have a kids club? Or we'll think about an Airbnb, you know? And so we'll just filter it through. We have an interesting system because I lean bougie. Like I, because of, because of the kind of work that I do and frankly, my personality, like I hate inferior shit. Like I hate going to a hotel and like asking somebody for something and it doesn't get done and then being pissed about it. And because of that, I have to like really think about, you know, where I want to stay in those locations. Kim wants culture. She doesn't give a shit about the hotel. She cares about variety and having different kinds of experiences. I like predictability. I want to know that the experience is going to be great, which we talked about in another episode. Um, and Sophia, she wants to play. Oh my God. She, like from the moment she opens her eyes, like literally, are we going to the pool? We go into the pool and then we get in the pool. I could literally stay there for three hours with her while she splashes me in the head and jumps on my back. And I'll say, we have to go to lunch. She does not want to get out of the pool. So the entire day is generally built around how do we make all three of us happy? And there's usually a time where one of us isn't, you know, I'm in a shitty hotel. Kim's not getting the cultural experience and Sophia's not in the pool, but overall we have learned what each other likes and try and give it to each other without being pissy about it. So more information there than you asked for. Okay. Next one was how can my wife and I relocate to Europe? This is going to sound like the snarkiest answer you've ever heard. Google it. Like it's literally that simple. I'm going to put the words in quotes there. Simple. You know, the question does not have a lot of context, so I can't, I can't know exactly where in Europe you want to go, when, when you want to go, what country you live in. All I can tell you is that if I had to give you a quick answer to do this, literally go, go on Google and say, I want to move to X country and I am, a, I am from United States, Canada, Australia, whatever. Um, how do I do it? And you'll get more information. You know what to do, it, do with. I, I guarantee you somebody wrote a book on it buy the book, you know, as long as it has good Amazon reviews, calling an attorney, 
is great. You know, you can pay them a couple hundred bucks, you know, for an hour and have them go through the process. Most of these things you can do yourself. You don't need to have a lawyer, but if you got a few extra bucks, uh, it's a good idea because you're just leveraging the task out and saying, just handle it. I always think of, this is my, I call it my Tom Cruise rule. I always think if I were Tom Cruise and I was in this situation, what would I do? Like, if I'm, if I'm Tom Cruise and I want to move to Italy, what am I do? What am I going to do? I, I'm telling my manager, get this thing done, right? And he's going to do it. If I'm Tom Cruise and I want to get into a restaurant and I want a table, what am I doing? They're going to make, they're going to make an exception. They're going to find a way to, to make the table happen. So there's always a way. And so I look at it through that lens. So I, I hope that answers the question. How, next one is, how do we get started if we want to make a major shift like living abroad? Well, this is a variation of the last question, but I, I won't repeat all the same answers, but I'll tell you the fastest way to get clear is to write down what it would look like or the dream that you have of living in that country, like the vision, like write it down. Like, you know, I told you earlier, I wake up in the morning, you know, when I was in, when I was in California, before we moved to Italy, I woke up and I thought about, you know, what it was like spending my day um, walking through the streets of Florence. And that, that kind of visualization has weight, you know, it has teeth. It, it, if you're, if you truly want to live in that country and you're excited about it, or at least the prospect of living in that country is exciting, then you'll do anything to get there. You know, if you're, if you're trying to, if you want to take a trip and I said, we got to, you know, uh, we're going to take a trip in July to Hoboken, New Jersey, or we're going to take a trip in July to the Greek islands. You're going to knock through a wall to get to the Greek islands and you're not going to do anything about New Jersey. So the why is really, really important. So hope that one helps. What have you learned being a father of an older child and a younger child? Oh my God. I'm not even sure that, that one's it's a huge one. I'll make that one short. The relationship that, that I'm cultivating now with Sophia will get me through the teenage years when she becomes a teenager. So Sophia's seven right now. That's like the magic number. All psychiatrists, psychologists, uh, people like that will tell you that you, you got up until they're about seven. And then after that, the analytical mind comes in, hormones slowly start to find their way in. And it becomes increasingly more difficult to shift their mindset about things to, you, know, you get the idea. They become less malleable. She's still in like a dream state right now, right? So she loves, you know, she loves all the Disney characters still, still believes in Santa Claus. But I can see now that she's got like one foot on stepping into adulthood. Um, so what it's taught me is that it's going to be a shit show when they're 14 to 18. I, I have an older girl who's uh, going to be 25 now. Um, and the 14 to 18 year old years were fucking horrible, like horrible, just horrible. It's almost like I didn't even know who she was. And what she taught me <clears throat> that I'm now clear about with the younger one is that they, you know, all kids lie. You know, Judge Judy says um, the, uh, a teenager 
lies, the lie begins to form when they open their eyes. They just do. They're trying, they're pushing the boundaries. They're trying to get away with whatever they can get away with. They're seeing where the lines are. And you, as, as a I don't know, dad, I tended with the older one to just have this vision of pigtails, you know, this vision of this little angel, because that's what's in my head. Even though she's 14, I still have this little girl in my mind. The problem is that little girl is not being incredibly honest and she's, she's manipulative and they they all are. It's not just mine. They, They all do it. We did. I did it. You did it. We all did it. So I'm now acutely aware of that. And so I navigate it differently. And what I'm, you know, this, this one's not fully cooked yet. So I don't know that this method is going to work, but I can tell you that what my intention is to establish a deeper connection through time to get a lot of stuff in the emotional bank account to call things out really quickly. Like when the behavior is not where it's supposed to be, call it out and set the standard really, really early. There's a book that a, uh, a teacher wrote and it was like something like, don't smile until Christmas. And the idea was like, it's game on. Like you got to let them know. I always like learning things from the dog whisperer, Cesar Milan. He said, you know, most people who have dogs, they spend more time on affection than they do on discipline and exercise. And I, I, I think that I think there's a lot of truth to that. Let them run around, get the energy out, but be tough with them too. Because you're going to, listen, you love them. They're your kids. It comes naturally to, lo- to love them, be kind to them. So being tougher um, would be that answer. Okay. What effects has living in Italy had on your family life? I mean, like everything, right? Like, so I'm writing this book on nature, nurture, and neighborhood. And the neighborhood you live in, like this, this is so important to me. I'm actually writing a book on it. The neighborhood that you live in literally affects everything that you do, the food that you eat, the way that you go to the store, the different values that, you know, people around you have. And I can tell you that it has changed literally every part of our family. Like our worldview is different. Like you, you really want to have a different view of the country you came from, move to another country and watch the news about the country you're living in. Like you get a completely different perspective. It's really like, there are things that just don't make sense to me. Like I remember when I first moved here, And my Italian teacher once said to me, um, I want to ask you a question, but I don't, I don't really know how to ask this question because I don't want to be insulting. And I said, yeah, ask me whatever you want. She said, why do children in your country shoot other children? I said, what do you mean? She goes like in the classroom, you'll have older kids that will come in and just shoot younger kids. And I remember going, I don't fucking know. Like, I don't know why that happens. I said, does that happen in Italy? She goes, never. We've never had that. Like, never, ever, ever. She goes, I don't even know a country around us where this has happened. But I see it, and we feel like we're watching a movie. And I remember hearing that, and it was the first time I got, like, 
shocked out of it. And I went, oh, oh. And now being here for a year and I see that there's been over 250 mass shootings, I look and I go, what the fuck is happening? So I'm slowly detaching from that from what was my reality because it's no longer my reality. So that would be the first one is politics, worldview, however you want to phrase that. Uh, values are different. They, they don't give a shit. Like they don't care about work. They care about life. So I went, I went to, this is crazy. Right before we took this trip, I had five shirts that I needed to have dry cleans. And I went to the first dry cleaning store and the guy just shakes his head. No. And I'm like, no, what? He's like, no, 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 no take, no take. I said, why? And he points to a sign and it says vacanza, vacation. And I went, you go, but you're here. I'm confused. He said, no, no, no. I don't, I don't take any clothes for two weeks before I go on vacation because I won't be able to finish them. So I was like, so you work here every day and you're going to, how long are you gone for vacation? He said, two weeks. I said, so you don't take any clothes for two weeks before you go on your, so there's no business for like one month. He said, yeah, it's the summer holiday. So now I'm butting up against my values, my work ethic, my understanding of how things work. And he's looking at me like I'm crazy. And I'm looking at him like he's crazy. Then I'm like, okay, let me go to, to, I, I got to get these shirts done, so I'll go somewhere else. So I go to the next door, but I get there at one o'clock and it's closed because they call it the pausa. Pausa is basically the siesta. They do a three hour thing. Okay. Well, now I'm getting used to that. That's still different, but like, okay, like where do these people go for three hours? But okay, but whatever. Gone. All right. So I look up another one. There's not that many dry cleaners in Florence, to be honest. So I look up the third one. I get to the third one at 3.15 <clears throat> and the store opens at three o'clock and the gate for the store is half up. Like it looks like he's like, you know, getting ready to open, but it's late. It's like 15 minutes late. And I see a queue of people outside the, um, the store. They're just lining up. And so I, I look at the people in the store outside and I said, Aperto, are they open? And yeah, yeah, yeah he's open. And so I look under the gate, I knock on the gate, and I say, Aperto, and he says, yeah, I'm open. He said, um, cinco minutos, five minutes. And he's smoking a cigarette. And I'm like, holy shit, he's 15 minutes late. There's a line of people sitting in the sun, baking, waiting to get their clothes dry cleans, and he's not opening because he's smoking a cigarette. Then he opens the gate, and I have to wait for him to do a chit-chat, which takes a while for each person. Oh, mamma mia, so good to see you. Kiss, kiss, kiss. And then I give him my stuff. <clears throat> I have five shirts. He looks down and he says, no, 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 no. And I said, no, what? He said, busy. I said, you're busy? He goes, and he points and he motions around the dry cleaner for me to see all the work that he has to do. He said, I'm too busy. I won't be able to do all this. I said, there's five shirts. He's like, no, 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 no. He said, okay, I take it, but I give it to you in two weeks. I was like, holy shit. Now, in America, somebody would say, 
I'm going to open a dry cleaner. It's going to be open during the break. I am going to uh, have a turnaround time that's in one hour. And they would have started solving all the problems. None of that would have, ha- none of that happened here. And so I wound up having to give the guy my shirts and pick them up in two weeks, which for me is now going to be two months. Actually, no, I didn't give him the shirts because I'm gone for two months. I'm actually gone for almost three months, Kim told me last night. Um, so I didn't do it. So like, what does that mean? Like, I think they're all crazy, but now I'm starting to go, okay, well, hold on a second. Like, I know you want your shirts done, but they get to have the life they want. They know how much money they're going to make. They're fine with making that much money each year. They don't want to put the effort into making more money because when they make more money, it takes more of their time away from their life. So they, you know, as the Italians say, basta, which means enough. It's enough. It's enough for them to do what it is that they're doing. I thought, wow, that's interesting. So that was definitely a change. Um, space, physical space is much smaller here. Like, like I'm, you know, now used to being in really, really small spaces um, where you live. We actually have a, a pretty big place now, so it's not that much of an issue, but before it was. Um, kitchens are small. Bedrooms are small. Beds are small. Like when you go, when you like, you want a king size bed, they're taking two twins or whatever and squeezing them together. And like you, you fall through the middle of it at night. Like just like when you go to queue up on an airplane, um, they don't call in rows. Like everybody, it's a mob. The moment that they announce the plane is, is boarding, Everybody just fights. Everybody has an assigned seat. I don't know what they're fighting for, but they all, it looks like mayhem. And I'm constantly saying, why has nobody figured out how to fix this efficiency? And then I realized that nothing changes here, but nothing changes here. So when you look at Tuscany as an example, it looks exactly the way Michelangelo saw it. There's no change. You can't change a freaking pane of pane of glass on a window. It has to be exactly the same, and it's been this way for thousands of years. And so, what you get from that is, you know, you get it. There's a there's a there's a shadow side to that. All right. Um, so the last one I don't really understand. It was how do you face or fight your fears. Um, Here's how I would answer it generally. I got, I went through a real bout of claustrophobia during COVID. It freaked me out. COVID freaked me out. Fucked with my head. Um, Because I like being free and I like, you know, I don't want anybody telling me what to do and blah, blah, blah. So it just fucked with my head. Um, And I hired, you know, like a neuro-linguistic programming therapist to help me work through it. And, And the only piece that worked for me I wish I could remember the guy that told me. I really don't. It was the opposite advice that I got from any from anybody else. Whatever it was that I was fearing, in this case, it was claustrophobia, but you can insert whatever you want. Lean into it and get crazy about it and say, is that all you got? So imagine going into a very small elevator where your heart's pounding, you're sweating because you're in an enclosed space and you're claustrophobic lean into the fear and say, make it worse. I want to feel worse. Make my heart beat more. 
you're like literally talking to yourself like a crazy person. Is that all you got? Is that all the fear you can give me? Is that all the, you know, blah, 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 blah. And what happens is nothing happens. Your heart doesn't beat any faster. In fact, it goes down. Your sweating doesn't increase. It goes down. And your, your, your overall claustrophobia goes down. And there's some weird thing that like the hypothalamus in the brain that's triggering this adrenaline response gets deactivated when you're telling it to go into fight or flight. It's like, it's like, it's not having to do the warning shot because you're in it. It's, I can't really explain it any better than that, but it has made um, a difference. And so whenever it comes up, it doesn't come up a lot anymore, but whenever it comes up, um, I just try and make it worse. I, <laughs> you know, I, it's just trying to make, I lean into it. Like imagine a comb and um, you know, it's got little teeth on it. Like, Imagine like leaning into the teeth instead of trying to go to the other side of the cone. I'm leaning into it and somehow it seems to work. So um, that's it for um, this week's uh, double shot. See you next week. Bye.